On today's episode of State of the Rockets, we're going to be talking about the Rockets giving Jay Sean Tate a new deal, Kevin Durant asking for a trade out of Brooklyn, Daryl Morey turning the 76ers into the Philadelphia Rockets, and we're also going to talk just a wee little bit about Summer League coming up next week, so stay tuned. Welcome to State of the Rockets, the premier Houston Rockets podcast. I'm your host, Roosh Willigan, the Master Don. I am also co-host of the Noble and Roosh Show, the number one podcast on the Ball is Life Network, where one of the only podcasts in the game where you will find exclusive content interviewing NBA players, journalists, beat writers, um, bloggers, all that kind of stuff. So check us out anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also see some of those videos on this YouTube channel, most recently, I interviewed Tari Eason, now of the Houston Rockets, so check that out. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Jackson Gatlin. Jackson, how you living? How you doing? Are you with us? I am with you. I'm doing much better than I was last week, my man. I was uh, I was done for. I, I was you know on my third podcast in a row reacting to the NBA draft. It was a very special evening for the Houston Rockets, but we are here. We're ready to talk a little bit NBA free agency, all that good stuff. But yes, I am your other host, Jackson Gatlin. I also host Locked on Rockets five days a week, the only five-day week, Monday through Friday, Houston Rockets basketball podcast. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays and the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. You can track me down on the bird app on Twitter at JT Gatlin. You can follow the Mastodon himself at Roosh Williams. And uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about today, man. Yeah. So on today's episode, we're going to run down the following topics. Okay. The Rockets gave Jay Sean Tate a new deal, three years, 22 million. We're going to talk all about that. Kevin Durant has asked to be traded from Brooklyn. Uh, so hallelujah. Amen. Rafael Stone's prayers answered much earlier than anyone would have, would have guessed. Sweet vindication. Not yet. We're not out of the woods yet, but it, mm -hmm. it's it looks it looks nice. It Almost looks nice. Uh, we're going to talk about Daryl Morey turning the uh, 76ers into the Philadelphia Rockets with all of the acquisitions they decided to make straight out of free agency. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Summer League coming up next week. Um, the Rockets will be participating. I will be there, I think. I mean, I'm supposed to be. It's just a matter of if I show up, but I will be there. So if you're there, find me, you know, uh, grab a beer or something like that. But let's start off, man. Jay Sean Tate, three years, 22 million. Um, before we get into it, can you do a better job than I of explaining the logistics of, you know, uh, not picking up his team option and then renewing the deal in the manner that they did? Um, I hope I can do it justice. I don't consider myself a cap expert by any stretch of the imagination. But to my knowledge, right, the benefit of him opting out and, and inking a new deal allowed him to have a, a greater amount of total years on the deal as opposed to just a flat-out extension of the pre-existing contract, to my knowledge. I, th I, I think I'm doing that justice. So instead of picking up the team option for the final year of his contract for next season, he opt the Rockets declined that team option. He's a you know unrestricted free agent which gave them some protections on what they could offer him should another team decide to approach Jay Sean Tate want to throw some money at him that kind of thing but this situation looked like it was kind of a wink wink nudge nudge they had probably a pre-existing deal under the table ready to go you know tampering all that good stuff whatever well I don't think I guess it's not tampering if it's your own player right well before free agency actually showed up uh, at six o'clock Thursday evening and so this is one of those deals that just made sense on both sides. They got him on a team-friendly deal. We can kind of break down the actual specifics of the deal and why. I, th I mean, I, th I think it's a total slam dunk if you're the Rockets to retain Jay Sean Tate's services for a little over $7 million a year. Uh, that's an absolute win in my book. Man, I wish I could hear you, man. That'd be so great. Sorry. I, I hit the is. button. It just didn't work. I am also not a capologist, although I'm trying to I'm going to start reading more and more gradually. I started and I stopped. I need to start again because it's it can be interesting, nerdy stuff. But regardless, um, so my understanding is there is that there's something called the Arenas rule or the Arenas provision. If you want more of a breakdown or explanation, tweet at Mr. Nathan Fogg on Twitter because he's the one 
his tweet about it is how I found out about what that was. So basically, because of that, um, it's something about second rounders and, and how you can extend them or, or you know, offer them a new deal, something like that. Um, second rounders and undrafted players. Right. But basically, as a result of that, um, with the Rockets not picking up Jay Sean Tate's option and making him an unrestricted free agent, because of that rule, it capped the amount uh, of, of annual salary, I think, that Jay Sean Tate could receive at somewhere around like $11 million or something like that. Ten, somewhere ten, close, $10 million, I believe. Ten million. Ten point three, Maybe it's $10.3 million. Somewhere Basically there. close enough to the value of the mid-level exception, which the Rockets have access to, which is around, I think, 10.5 or $11 million, somewhere in there. Um, and so basically it set up a situation where Jay Sean Tate was an unrestricted free agent, yes, but any team that would have offered him the maximum amount that he could have been offered, the Rockets had enough money to either match or beat that out. They wouldn't have had automatic they, – they wouldn't automatically be able to re-sign him as a restricted free agent by matching, but I'm pretty sure they had that worked out. So the way it ended up going – and then also I, I want to explain that I think I, I like the move Maybe they were in lockstep with Jay Sean Tate and his team, and it, you know the deal was going to get done one way or the other with Houston, and, and Jay Sean Tate never intended to test the market. I have no idea about that. But if he did want to test the market, you know, if he had a badass season this coming season, like let's say he plays his game and he adds a, a 36% three ball, um, and some team wants to go out there and give Jay Sean Tate what Gary Harris just got, two years, $26 million. Um, and let's say, they, let's say they price the Rockets out. You know, or do the Rockets, or it becomes a matter of, do the Rockets want to use that cap room that they have, that they presumably will have next offseason for that kind of deal on Jay Sean Tate? Or, uh, and next offseason, there will be more teams with cap room, with enough cap room to compete with the Rockets and possibly outbid them for Jay Sean Tate. So based on all that, you kind of took a, a low risk, high reward play, and that's what they ended up with. They got him on a great value. Seven, like what 7.3 million I think is what it comes out to per year on average 22 million divided by three years I think is what it was so it's like seven yeah 7.3 something million um for what he brings to the table I mean look I, I talked about this in a spaces but Lou Dort and Jay Sean Tate are kind of comparable and OKC did the exact same thing with Lou Dort's contract by the way but Lou Dort and Jay Sean Tate are comparable in terms of you know the roles they play Lou Dort's got a higher offensive ceiling scores the ball better but they're both very good defensively. They're both high-energy hustle guys that help their team in that manner. And Lou Dort just got a – I think his deal was five years, $87 million. So like he's 17.5 million a year or something like that? Uh, 17, 34, 51, 68, 85. Yeah, 17 point something million. Yeah, you're right. So he got paid like almost two and a half times per year what Jay Sean Tate is being paid. You know, do you think Lou Dort is two and a half times better the player? 250%? player that Jay Sean Tate is? No. Uh, I, no, I, I don't. So the value is incredible. And it remains to be seen how the Rockets structured this contract. I mean, we know from the Mori era and Rafael Stone, I think, seemed to have picked, you know, picked some things up from the Mori era, obviously, because he was involved in a lot of those transactions. And we saw it with some of the, I think the way he signed Tate, you know, using like slivers of the MLE here and there when it's left over, I think. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think that's how they did that. Um, so we'll see if they get creative with the structure of this deal, right? Maybe they front load it and it's like you take the cap hit and then later the salary is lower. And so it becomes more palatable. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's incentive based. Uh, maybe there's a favorable team option. Like we'll see. We don't have the details yet, but I have a, a feeling that it's not just going to be a straight up three for 22 deal. I feel like, I feel like there's going to be some classic like Rockets you know, aspect of it. So I think it's a great move, man. I think it's a great move. Jay Sean Tate, you keep him around. He's reliable. He's solid. He works hard. He defends well. You let him now play also with the monkey off of his back, not having to worry about his numbers, right? We kind of saw him isolate a lot this past season. And you could maybe theorize he's like, he knows he's got to get paid, but now he's paid. So he can just go back to playing basketball. Um, defensive guy, hard worker next to Jabari Smith, Jalen Green. Like, I'm excited. What are your thoughts? I, I love it from from a couple different standpoints. One one of the other options too, right? In addition to some of the you know areas you laid out as far as what the actual structure of that contract might look like, there might be some 
non-guaranteed money elsewhere in the contract, right? Maybe that final year is non-guaranteed or only partially guaranteed. And so you look at the contract as a whole and it's not even a full-blown uh, 22 million. So I, I don't know. It remains to be seen. We'll get the details, I'm sure, in the coming days on the specifics of Jay Sean Tate's contract. But I think for two other reasons, I love this because I think it's another step in the direction of the Rockets showing that they're taking care of their guys, right? They could have absolutely just left Jay Sean Tate on the super team-friendly deal that they were already signed to, pick up the team option, and and push it off further down the road and say, no, 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 we're just, you know, we'll revisit this further down the line. If you, you know, have a good year, yeah, we'll pay you further down the line, but you, you got to earn that, right? You got to go out there and actually prove you're worth us paying you that money. No, they decided to decline that option and say, you know what? We've seen enough out of you. We value what you bring to the table. We're going to commit some you know sizable money to you right this is an undrafted guy that just got a contract for three years 22 million that's in, that's that's a huge win for undrafted guys everywhere right it's not Duncan Robinson undrafted guy money but it's still a pretty solid win if you're Jay Sean Tate who's had to scrap and claw and fight and do like the overseas route and everything to try and prove himself as an NBA player to come in as a 25 year old rookie and then to be able to walk away and, and say you're making this kind of money big boy NBA money now that's incredible. That's a huge win for him, for his representation, all of that. And I think it's a win for the Rockets that they're showing, hey, we're taking care of our guys. So I love it from that perspective. And then the other thing is, I think Jay Sean Tate is kind of poised to, I don't want to call him like the old man of the locker room, right? But it, it very much feels like EG is more than likely the next domino to probably fall here for the Rockets, the next trade piece that makes sense. There's a lot of NBA teams out there that are interested in, in procuring his services. And maybe that changes a little bit with the you know, bombshell news that Kevin Durant has requested out of Brooklyn. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So maybe that changes the NBA landscape a little bit and changes the market for Eric Gordon. But Jay Sean Tate isn't a, a, a third-year player, right? Like, he's an older, you know, young player. And I think having his voice in this Rockets locker room, having him as a guy who can kind of help keep some of the younger guys accountable, somebody who really had to work and grind to where he's at today, that type of work ethic is exactly the kind of guy you want around these young guys. And you've already we've already got the, you know, the knowledge, right? Jalen Green, incredible work ethic. Jabari Smith, incredible work ethic. Tari Eason, work ethic. Like the Rockets are uh, you know, accruing a certain type of, you know, personality mentality in these players. And I think Jay Sean Tate fits right into that mold, but he's a bit older, right? Maybe commands a little bit more respect around the locker room because of that seniority and you know, I think even at times this past season was a bit of that bridging gap between maybe the vets on the roster and the young guys on the roster because he can kind of get along with both sides. And so keeping him around is important, I think, for the the long-term benefit of this Rockets rebuild. So I, I love it on all fronts. And if he suddenly has a three ball on top of everything else he brings to the table this next season and he's shooting 35, 36, 37% from three, and you've got a you know an insane 3 and D talent locked down for the next three years at just over $7 million a year, that is insane value. So, huge well, win, another win. Just it just just lining up the wins for Rafael Stone. Just knock them down, and I mean, at this point, I don't, I don't know. We gotta, like, I'm ready to head down to Toyota Center and build a statue at this point, so. Well, <clears throat> um, Look, but that's the that's the beauty of it. Even if he doesn't develop a three, he's worth this contract. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. You know? If he develops a three, he's worth. He's outplayed more. the contract already. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, and that's a great point. And and you know, I agree with that. I was talking about this in the spaces earlier tonight. The same spaces. Um, Tate's like one of the vets, kind of. Like he's not a typical third year player. He went through the the ranks. You know, he went overseas, went to Australia, worked his way. He's like a Pat Bev type story. You know. Um, so he's got that clout and that respect and he's earned that. And I would imagine his teammates are very well aware of, of what he's endured and, and, you know, respect him for it. So yeah, he, he like adds to that voice. He adds to that backbone of culture and identity that the Rockets are trying to build of, of working hard, um, you know, with Jabari Smith, hopefully Tari Eason with Jalen Green, Josh Christopher, these guys. Um, so yeah, like it on all fronts, uh, awesome move by Rafael Stone. You know, we're starting to see when the Rockets do something, like we saw the Rockets were not picking up his team option and everyone freaked out, that usually they know what they're doing, you know. So it's nice to to kind of have that confidence. But, yeah, uh, for all those reasons, man, Jay Sean Tate is a Rocket. Oh, and then also it's a tradable salary, you know. If yeah. they need to trade it, it's it's very tradable, very friendly. Yeah, worst case scenario, further down the line, like, I mean, you know, if they need to deal Jay Sean Tate $7 million a year, that is, you know, depending on how it looks, obviously, with – you know where the the front end back end salary looks like. I mean, that's 
easy contract to move. But elsewhere on the Rockets' free agency front, relatively quiet. They let they didn't pick up the options for, or they didn't extend qualifying offers, I should say, to uh, Bruno Fernando, Trevlin Queen, who got signed elsewhere that we're going to talk about a little bit later on, uh, and Anthony Lamb. So didn't retain those guys, and they didn't make any other free agency moves. You know, there were some you know rumored big men that they might have interest in: Nick Claxton, Isaiah Hartenstein, as reported by Fagan and, and Eco from the Chronicle and the Athletic, respectively, that the Rockets might have interesting interest in those two big men. Um, Nick Claxton got picked up. He's returning to the Brooklyn Nets, two years, $20 million, and then Isaiah Hartenstein, two years, $16 million to the New York Knicks. So a couple potential free agency targets off the board for the Rockets. But, Roosh, the big news, the news that all Rockets fans everywhere should be absolutely head over heels in love with, Kevin Durant forcing his way out of Brooklyn has had enough of the Brooklyn Nets franchise organization, all of that. Look, it it may have been a bit of a lackluster free agency period, honestly, and I think I'm I'm pretty confident that a big reason for that is if you've got like the like bombshell news of KD that drops just a handful of hours before free agency kicks off, that probably threw a gigantic wrench in a lot of teams' plans for what they wanted to maybe do in free agency because suddenly you have half the le- half the NBA just like immediately frozen in its tracks thinking, oh, I could could we be in play for KD? Hold up, let's call up Sean Marks in Brooklyn and see exactly what they're looking for because a majority of the teams in the NBA would love to pick up Kevin Durant. Now, only a few teams are, you know, legitimately viable options. He wants to probably go to a ready-made contender, but this is a gigantic win for the Houston Rockets, for Rafael Stone, for the front office, for the uh, revisionists of the, or I guess for the original critics of the James Harden trade, they can now eat crow because every single day that we get further and further away from that James Harden trade, it looks better and better and better. And Rafael Stone looks even more like a genius now than he did when that trade was originally consummated. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I won't take a victory lap yet. I mean, I'm happy and I'm celebrating, but we still got to see what, how it plays out. I have a feeling that whatever Brooklyn does, I mean, look, they might they might get like a, a legit star. We don't know who's going to emerge as a suitor. I would not feel comfortable with any anything we've heard so far. Someone's always there's always going to the rumors always heat up and they get juicier, right? And there's going to be a, a late minute player or there's going to be a late game player. And you're just like, oh, whoa, they're in the mix. Like what? <laughs> you know, I didn't expect this to happen. So I expect something like that to go down. Um, but I would expect Brooklyn to recoup to at least be one of those like seven to 10 seed type teams, which, you know, the Rockets could get a lot of pick from that. They could get something more similar to the pick they got this season with the 17th pick. If Brooklyn is able to like, you know, get a Karis Levert type package and have picks and then some like high functioning role players um, or like, you know, some volume, inefficient, inefficient, high volume guys that can get you to 500. So you're a nine seed, you know, something like that um, to where the lotto, the odds of it being like a high end pick or a super high end pick or, you know, or low, but you'll get like the 12th or the 13th pick or whatever it is. Right. So, so, I mean, I, I imagine they're going to end up somewhere, Something like that, because Kevin Durant is a massive, massive asset. You know, uh, there's going to be value there. It's just a matter of what is that value. Uh, Excuse me. But it is a huge win for the Rockets. Excuse me, I had to yawn. It's it's late. I'm tired. We 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 kept him up past his bedtime. It's like that. Uh, was it DJ Khaled? I don't care what nobody say. Whatever, because I'm out here grinding. <laughs> that was the point, is we're out here grinding. Um, <laughs> regardless, though, so uh, I've been spacing and That was so bad. Just, <laughs> that was... Just wait, no, no, because I'm out here grinding. No, so um, <laughs> anyways, back to the content. But look, um, it's a huge win for the Rockets because James Harden was not, it was not, it has not even been 18 months since the Rockets traded James Harden if you could believe that, which is crazy. And I don't think when the Rockets made that trade that they thought it would blow up within 18 months. I think they were prepared and hoped for like, hey, maybe after two and a half seasons, maybe maybe they win the title, then they flame out after a season and like, okay, we're back. But man, we're talking, it took one full season since the trade for that thing to blow up or to 
seemingly blow up. I think so, I think that's why I'm ready to run the victory laps is because even if even if like this trade doesn't turn into, you know, a bunch of top five picks, number one overall selections, whatever. The fact that it's blown up this spectacularly just a year and a half removed from the original trade is this is already it's not quite best case scenario for the Rockets yet because it could get even better depending on the return for KD, obviously, and, you know, how how hard the Nets actually do bottom out, where they struggle if they do finish somewhere in the, you know, 7 to 10 seed range or if they actually bottom out, bottom out and really suck for the next few years, depending on what the post KD era Nets actually look like it's still just a gigantic win because like this was the risk, right? The risk was, Hey, best case scenario. If you're Brooklyn is like the big three actually works, right? They win a title or two, they're competitive and maybe they start to kind of fall apart near the back end of the deal. And you get a good pick or two on the back end, like in 2025, 2026, right? Maybe that's when the picks start actually looking like they've got some, some semblance of value. The Rockets already got value out of one of the picks with pick 17 this year in Tari Eason. Like that was already way better than we thought was going to happen this early on in the picks acquired from the Brooklyn Nets. So that's why I'm kind of ready to just start running the victory laps because this is already, I think, better than what a lot of Rockets fans truly expected this deal to, to kind of coalesce as and and kind of uh oh what's the word i'm looking for why am i blanking on this it's not coalesce that's not the right word anyways i'm gonna materialize this materialize thank you that's the word i'm looking for you're the best the mastodon hard at work um but right (laughs) there we go um it's already materializing better than i think anybody could have predicted to this point so I think at that point, you, you've just got to be incredibly happy with the returns that it's that it kind of looks like the Rockets are going to get. And even if it doesn't ever again turn into top draft picks, top five picks, you know, maybe jump up to a number one overall selection. If we're talking about, you know, a handful of lottery picks for the next, you know, five years, that's still a win. Even if Brooklyn is like a middling playoff team somewhere in the seven to 10 range, that's still, I, I pulled up the the NBA standings from this past season because I wanted to kind of compare. This past year in the East, the Nets were the seventh seed, right? So in the East, Nets were seventh seed, and you had Hawks at eight, Cavs at nine, and Hornets at 10. And so record-wise, out there in the East, from those those four slots, um, the way the picks conveyed, you had obviously the Brooklyn Nets pick at 17 to the Houston Rockets, and then, why is this... There it is. Okay. You had the Nets pick at 17 to the Rockets, and then you had the Cavs at 14. Oh, well, never mind. Tankathon updated their roster. Wow. Mid-podcast. That's not cool. Wow. I don't have the, I don't have the board that I wanted. Where is oh this? Oh, my God. Look, see, I know. This, there, hey, here's, here's your look into the behind the scenes. Jackson goes off script. <laughs> loses his mind there's there's never a script how dare you no i I, I legitimately right my point was just going to be that those four teams whether when you're in kind of that play-in area in eastern conference right you're kind of flirting with the back end of the lottery range record wise and even in and then out west depending on how things shake out record wise maybe the west is a little bit better this next year and so maybe those teams in the eastern conference those picks wind up being a little bit more towards or skewing towards that 10 to 14 range give or take so even if the nets have some semblance of competitiveness in the post kd era the pick should still be relatively valuable in in what what's going to convey to houston so yeah no i agree i mean and you, and you hope that brooklyn in in exchange for durant gets something like the Harden package. I mean, that would be so ideal. I doubt it's going to happen, but they just get a, a ton of picks. And now, to be fair, if Brooklyn got something like Karis LeVert and Jared Allen, LOL, because that was those were their players, they'd probably keep them. Based on what we've heard, they would probably keep them and not go total rebuild. The Rockets went total rebuild. You know, well, the Rockets made the play for Oladipo. That didn't work out, and then they went total rebuild. So – because the Rockets still had the luxury of having, you know, slight protections on on the picks that they had, you know, obviously the the very first one that eventually turned into Jalen Green, having the top four protections on that pick, you know, is what saved that that pick ultimately with them finishing with the worst record in the NBA. So it made sense for them to, <clears throat> pardon me, for them to kind of pivot a little bit and then get down to <clears throat> wow. <clears throat> for them to sound like uh, Beavis and Butthead. <clears throat> <clears throat> long hard um anyways so 
it made sense for them to pivot, right, and have the opportunity to bottom out and have the best possible odds to actually keep their selection there. Here's one that I want to pitch to you because I, I, you know, threw this up over at Locked on Rockets, and I really think this is an interesting scenario for Houston to, to consider a little bit. They could very easily get involved with Brooklyn and with this, you know, eventual KD trade as a third team facilitator because right now the Nets have zero interest in being bad, right? They don't own any of their own picks for the next five years. So bottoming out, you know, being a bad team serves them zero purpose. So they should want to be competitive, which kind of, you know, makes it difficult to look for a return from the KD package because you, if you're Brooklyn, you want to get back players who can conceivably help you be competitive right here in the here and now with Ben Simmons, with maybe Kyrie Irving if he sticks around in the post-KD era. Like, I, I, you know, it still remains TBD on what happens with Kyrie and all of this, but the Nets want to and probably need to be competitive with whatever offer they get if a, in a one-for-one trade for KD. Now, if you loop the Rockets back into this, and conceivably, you send Katie to the interested third-party team who actually want his services, who are contending for a title, whatever. You send talented player from that team to the Houston Rockets who could potentially pick up, you know, who could jumpstart the rebuild even further by adding an already proven talent to their core. And then the Brooklyn Nets can recoup their own draft picks from the original James Harden trade and then be incentivized to actually bottom out and rebuild and just be a bad team rather than having to be competitive in the post KD era. Like I know that right now Phoenix is like the front runner team for this and some permutation of Deandre Ayton to Houston doesn't exactly make sense in this scenario. But if you throw in a team like the Miami heat or the Boston Celtics or any number of other teams that might have a kind of like B tier star borderline a tier star that might be interested or that they might be interested in trading for Kevin Durant, maybe a Jalen Brown, a Bam Adebayo type, is that somebody you'd be willing to give up multiple picks for and trade them back to Brooklyn to get that one guaranteed like star caliber piece right away? Or would you rather just kind of risk it and see how those picks pan out over the next five years? Yeah, so, and, that, and that's an interesting one. Um, it would have to be someone, the, so basically in this scenario, it would be a three-team trade. Brooklyn would trade Kevin Durant to a team. Let's just use the Bucks because... Um, well, that's not a realistic example, but let's just use the book. I think Celtic, I will. I picked Celtics because Jalen Brown, I feel like is like on the cusp of like talented enough to want to give up the picks for, and it kind of makes sense with Katie's up there. So Jalen Brown. Okay. Brooklyn would trade Kevin Durant to Boston. Yes. Boston would trade Jalen Brown to Houston. Yes. In exchange for Houston taking or in, in exchange, you know, Houston basically would be giving uh Brooklyn the rights back to its draft picks and swaps and so that's the triangle right yes. Houston gives up draft picks and swaps back to Brooklyn Brooklyn mm-hmm. gives KD up Boston gives Jalen Brown up so Houston basically uses those picks to go get another star to put next next to Jalen Green and KPJ now here's here's the the fun part though because that's like mm, do you really want to do that you know basically trade what you got for James Harden and turn it into like James Harden for Jalen Brown one for one or for Jalen Brown and Tari Eason. Um, What you could do, and this is just total speculation, just playing around and I'm not like a trade machine kind of guy, but just thinking out loud, you don't have to give it all back. No, you you can give some of it back, right? You can give a pick and a swap or a couple picks or, you know, whatever. So you'd still keep some of it. And then you could also get something from Boston. You get picks from Boston to Houston. You know. Just to also chime in on that note, you could also do something like you could modify the arrangement on some of the picks, right? Maybe you throw some protections on them. So instead of, you know, just giving back the picks in their entirety, maybe you say, all right, here, we're going to we're going to give you back some of the picks. And on this very last one that we're going to hold on to, we'll 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 float you a top four protection on it or something. Right. So there's a lot of different permutations of what this could look like. And when you control a team's future draft capital for the next five years, I mean, again, this puts Brooklyn in a really precarious position because in the midst of trying to deal KD, this could be their one opportunity to wheel and deal with Houston to actually regain the fate of their franchise. And for a team that's about to lose multiple stars within the span of a year, like, I mean, I can't think of a better scenario than to actually recoup your own draft picks and then be able to have your own destiny in your hands and just 
truly bottom out rather than, you know, having to be competitive under some notion of, oh, well, we don't want to suck because there's, you know, no reward at the end of the year if we're the worst team. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and, and, you know, depending on what Houston gives up to Brooklyn, how deep they go, let's say they give up a lot to Brooklyn in terms of like, un, you know, relinqu relinquishing the draft capital that they took from them. Maybe they get picks from Boston in exchange to cover some of the back end of that. Maybe Houston gives up less to Brooklyn and Boston sends those picks to Brooklyn instead. You, I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud. I, I don't know how that stuff works. I'm not like a trade guy, but I feel like that could work. So, um, yeah, so that would be, you know, one way to approach it. What I do think is going to happen, though, I feel like Brooklyn's going to get a draft pick haul, role players, and then they're going to try to flip those role players do you think they're going to get a fran do you think they're going to get a a a, a cornerstone talent right cuz that was the biggest hold up on the James Harden trade right is the is the draft capital was there it was it was the right right the greatest haul for a single player in NBA history right and but they didn't get a quote unquote cornerstone cornerstone talent or franchise player in return and i think that's why a lot of you know pundits looked at the trade as a loss in in the immediate you know there now <clears throat> there and now that's not whatever that's a terrible expression point is right that's why people like you know bill simmons jumped out and tried to crucify houston and rafael stone for the trade because there wasn't a tangible return you know an asset where you could look at and say yeah the rockets got xyz player for james harden instead it was just this you know idea of what the draft picks could be further down the line whereas with this kd situation one it'll be funny to see just how harshly individuals judge the return that the Brooklyn Nets do or do not get for KD in the midst of all this, right? Because, you know, they dumped on Houston pretty hard for the return that we got for James Harden. Hopefully they keep the same energy when it comes to KD if the trade packages look similar. And then two, I just wonder, again, what star-level cornerstone talents are truly out there. Again, DeAndre Ayton's the one that makes a ton of sense. The, the Vegas odds are pointing towards Phoenix Suns right now as being the favorite to land KD, and we learned from the NBA draft to not doubt Vegas. Uh, given the last-minute shuffling of odds to go number one overall in this last year's draft and the whole Paolo Bancaro-Jabari Smith shuffle. So I'm leaning Phoenix at this point, but DeAndre Ayton also has to choose to want to play in Brooklyn because he has to agree to a sign-and-trade deal, which means he has to agree to wherever they're trying to ship him off to. So that complicates things even further. Plus, there's cap ramifications on the fact that the way a, a sign-and-trade player works is DeAndre Ayton's salary only counts for half of the signed amount as an outgoing salary, whereas KD counts for the full amount when he's coming in or something to that effect, and it makes things really complicated from the math perspective to get the salaries to actually match up. So there's a whole lot of red tape that's going to have to be jumped through uh, you know, to be able to make this trade work from Phoenix to Brooklyn if it's just a one-for-one -one deal between those two organizations. Yeah, so you you kind of touched on it, but basically in these situations, you become you become subject to whatever the market is, and you don't have control over what the market is. So Houston's market for James Harden, for example, was pretty much confined to Philadelphia and the Ben Simmons package and Brooklyn and the package that they ended up taking. Right? Like it wasn't like it, like it, it's going to come down to a what teams are in circumstances where adding James Harden or in this case adding Kevin Durant makes sense. You know. Like you, you can you can immediately cancel out like the rebuilding teams like the Rockets, the Thunder. You know they're not going to go get Kevin Durant to add to a young core that's not ready for Kevin Durant, right? So you can you can remove those teams and so on and so forth, right? So how many teams out there have a have a circumstance or scenario that would make sense to trade for Kevin Durant? Like with the Rockets, it was only two, Brooklyn and, and Philly, um, and then. Of those teams that it would make sense for, who actually has a realistic package with enough assets to really, really pull the trigger and to entice Brooklyn to pull the trigger as well. And so once you do that, uh, things get slim. It's like when you go on Yelp and or, or if you go on Airbnb and put all your filters. It's like Airbnb, not Yelp. Sorry. Although Yelp is a wonderful app. It's like if you go on Airbnb and you put in all your filters and then it goes from 300 listings to like seven, you know, you pick the calendar day and it's like, oh shit, nothing is available. So um, kind of like that, right? So, so basically once you get down to the end of it, what teams does it make sense for that have a good enough package to where they could actually pull the trigger on it? And as it stands right now, in terms of getting like a star, I mean, the only names that have really made 
somewhat since have been uh, DeAndre Ayton and Jalen Brown. And Jalen Brown doesn't really make that much sense to me anyways. I mean, I'd be really hesitant if I'm Boston because you just went to the finals without Kevin Durant. So I'm not sure if you make that drastic of a switch, you know. But that's a different discussion. So, you know, maybe Denver, if they want to get in on it and they can part with, I don't know, Murray and uh, Aaron Gordon, if that would get it done. I don't know. I have no idea. But so I I guess what I'm saying is it's just kind of difficult to gauge because, like, what's the market? Is there really anything outside of Phoenix that makes a lot of sense? It's gonna. There might be one of those late emerging late game suitors that we hear about in the 10th hour, the 12th hour, whatever. But as of right now, I mean, coming out the gate, it's like, it's unclear. Maybe Portland, you know, but who, who does Portland have to offer that's worth worth it to Brooklyn? Nurkic, you know, which by the way, certain deals are going to be uh, pending the chips falling with KD, like Nurkic. He did not resign, I don't think. As of, as of when we were recording this podcast, to my knowledge, he did not resign with the Blazers. So that's something to watch there. But yeah, so, you know, Portland, like what does Portland have to offer to to make it worthwhile to Brooklyn in terms of high functioning role players or potential stars? Like they just re- they just signed Anthony or they extended Anthony Simons. I don't think he's eligible eligible to be traded. I'm not sure of that though. But anyway, so the point is you just start surveying these teams around the league and you realize I don't know who can actually pull this off to where it makes sense for Brooklyn. So so then what? You know? Um and that's where, as Rockets fans, you got to hope it is a pick-centric package, a PCP. Uh, nice. Yes, we want Brooklyn to smoke PCP. That's what we want. So, uh, <laughs> a pick-centric package. Only and here at State of the Rockets can you find this hard-hitting analysis. <laughs> yeah, hey, if you if you use Twitter and you watch this show, take this take this one to Twitter. Take take the PCP to Twitter. Let's let's get PCP hashtagged and bagged. But um, regardless, so. You're going to want to pick centric package because it's going to, it's basically going to be Brooklyn taking a page out of Houston's book, ironically and hilariously, 18 months, maybe 18 months later after Houston had to do that at Brooklyn's uh, direction. And so, so yeah, you want it to be a pick centric package so that Brooklyn can tear things down and rebuild and, and they can say, okay, cool. Well, we can worry about these picks. And we're just going to roll with the odds of the pick swaps and whatever while we can, um, which is what Houston did. Although Houston was, as we mentioned, lucky enough to get protections on those swaps. And so that's how they got Jalen Green, luckily enough. Otherwise, it. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. What? You're going to point. You got to say something. I was going to I was going to chime in at the end of your point before we like change gears to another topic. That's why, like, I raised the finger. We got to, like, get the chemistry down. Right. We're only, what, nine episodes in? I think the chemistry is very highly on point, but okay, wrap it up. Maybe I'm rambling. Go for it. No, I, I, you are not rambling. You are all good. No, I was just going to say, I, I'm going to throw in Toronto as like a dark horse candidate that has yeah. like the, the prime mix of like young ish, exciting talent, but also like they hold, I, I'm pretty sure they're largely in control of their future draft picks. I think off the top of my well, head, but they would have to throw in Van Vliet. And so what is, KD and OG Ananobi getting you. If if I would imagine that it would, it would have to be Scotty Barnes and Van Vliet and whatever else matches the salary. We'll see, but I don't even think they have to go that far, right? Like if it if we're talking like like would you like I think Scotty Barnes and Picks gets it done or Scotty Barnes filler and Picks gets it done because then you're getting a you're getting the kid that just won rookie of the year and future draft capital for a star that doesn't even want to play for your organization anymore. That is a huge dub if you are Brooklyn. And then if you're the Toronto Raptors, you swap out a rookie for KD and you swap yeah. out your future. So you immediately become like what top four seed favorites out, out East. Like that is an absurd switcheroo all of a sudden yeah. and a huge power shift in the East, which is why they're kind of my dark horse pick because they have that, that perfect mix of that one like crown jewel piece of the trade in like a, a, a cornerstone type talent in Scotty Barnes. And they can throw in a sizable amount of draft capital as well. Maybe not a straight up four picks, four pick swaps type, you know, trade because they're adding that that cornerstone piece. So maybe like two picks and two pick swaps and Scotty Barnes. I think that's probably a, probably gets it done. Um, I mean, OK, so I agree with everything you said. I don't know if two swaps and two picks gets it done, depending on who that filler is. Next to Scotty and, and, and it depends on the other trades on the market, right? If there's a if there is another suitor right. out there that's and, offering and again, four and four, then it depends on the, it depends on the market exactly, yeah. right? Um, I mean, I think Harden set the precedent, and and Houston didn't get a player back, 
but I don't think that's going to affect the picks to the point where Brooklyn takes back half of the Whoa, whoa, whoa. This is Victor Oladipo erasure, and I will not stand for it, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Karis LeVert, the GOAT. Um, But no, I don't don't think Brooklyn would accept half of the draft capital they shipped off to get Harden. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but you're, you're totally right. Toronto snuck into the lottery last season, right? Last draft. Like, they didn't seem like a, a traditional lottery team. They had injuries, like, you know, just a weird season for them. But they still have two all-stars, Siakam and Van Vliet. Uh, OG Ananobi's a really good player. They just signed, re-signed Chris, Chris Boucher. Like, they have really talented players to the extent that if they only got rid of Scotty Barnes and Filler, they could plug in. So, basically, they're they're fortunate enough to have a talent like Scotty Barnes in the first place because they lucked into the top four. And despite being a high-functioning, good team, as we saw, what they were the fifth seed or whatever, they were able to get that lotto type talent and he was the rookie of the year they hit he hit for his rookie season so they're unique in that regard and uh, and they have all of their draft picks right or i think they do so they have that unique blend of like what it would take to get it done so you're definitely right um and then for toronto it makes sense because they can afford to lose scotty barnes and just pair kd with pascal siakam and fred van vliet and og ananobi and like that's an immediate contender so that's that's a good one. I think that makes a lot of sense. It would just come down to the picks, I think. So and, and it would come down to does Brooklyn view Scotty Barnes as a quote win now player, you know, or do they view him as like a multi-year project? Um, do they even view him as somewhat duplicative of Ben Simmons? Because like I would. Oh, that's a good point. Because like I would like like that trade to me sounds great because I don't think Scotty Barnes and Ben Simmons is going to do much for you. <laughs> I mean, you know, no disrespect, but like. The East, I mean, right now, Miami, Milwaukee, Chicago, Philadelphia, Boston. Um, who's that sixth team? Chicago? I said Chicago. Miami, right, Milwaukee, you... Chicago, Boston, Philadelphia. Toronto was the sixth team. Toronto is the sixth so, team. So, so Toronto. Oh, and the, take... and the Hawks. They just picked up DeJounte Murray. Like... Right. Hold on. I'm getting there. So, I'm saying those are, the, those are the top six in the East this past season. And in this scenario, Toronto remains for sure in that top six Philadelphia remains. Cause you know, they just made some moves. Um, Milwaukee's back. Miami's back. Boston's back. Chicago, you know, like those teams aren't going anywhere, at least not next season or probably not the season after that. Then Atlanta was in the mix. Now they added Deontay Murray. So they're, you know, throw them in there. Cle- <clears throat> excuse me. Cleveland had injuries. Otherwise they finished with a better record. So there's Cleveland. The Knicks could sneak around and be like a slightly above 500 team that makes things difficult. The Hornets will still be around. I mean, that's 10 teams. And you're telling me Scotty Barnes and Ben Simmons is better than any of those? I don't think so. So and and the Pistons have a bright future. They're not going to be good like right away, right away, but like two or three years, like they could be. They're going to need to space that lineup out. They they have a fun, they have a fun core, and I'm excited for them. I mean, I'm really they're on my league pass squad because of I want to see Ivy, Cade, you know, if they if they get Jalen Duran some playing time, um, I'd like to see it. But anyway, so. If Brooklyn takes a package like that, that's what you're facing. That's what you're dealing with. It's like, yo, now we can be in a position where, hey, maybe that is one of the worst teams in the NBA. And then maybe Ben Simmons gets hurt, and he's not durable. He's had some back issues lately. And all of a sudden, it's like Scotty Barnes and just role players. Now you're looking at, oh, shit, maybe maybe that swap right comes into play this season. And if not, maybe that first that first-round pick you get from them the following season, 2024, maybe that comes into play. So – ton of interesting issues we're really just gonna have to monitor it i don't know how long it's gonna take to progress i feel like it's gonna take a minute because i think it's gonna be a tough needle to thread that trade unless you know something happens like toronto comes forward with that offer and brooklyn's like yes scotty barnes we value him high you know four or five four picks four swaps whatever it is yes done get this fool out of here i don't know um any last thoughts on the topic no I think we should uh, talk a little bit about what's going on in Philadelphia. Shifting gears to the Philadelphia Rockets. Uh, My boy, Daryl Murray, uh, really just couldn't help himself, man. Really couldn't help himself. (laughs) I mean, went out and got PJ. Traded for DeAnthony Melton. That's my favorite one. He's like, that's like, that's like when you get to college or even if you graduate college and you see that girl that you never that you used to like but like you just never y'all like had that moment but it it, you didn't pounce on it and things just kind of went left and and it was in the back of your mind you're like damn girl carol 
you know, what's up, Carol? You Facebook message Carol and you're like, girl, God, my bad. You know, I apologize. So <laughs> that's the D'Anthony Melton trade. He's like, he's like, D'Anthony, we shouldn't have done that. We wanted, you could have contributed to that 2019 team. I, I just want to say your analogies tonight are incredible. So far, you've had like two or three like straight bangers and it's, it's been great. Thank you. Yelp and uh, Airbnb and that one. But so he goes out and gets D'Anthony Melton, who's going to, I think, definitely be helpful for that team. Um, and then they, they signed Daniel House, which honestly, freaking hilarious and kind of frustrating. He had zero value on the market when Houston tried to trade him. And then he goes out and gets an $8 million, or you know, I think it's $4 million a year, $8 million, two years. So that's frustrating. But it's funny, man. And then all the rumors about Philadelphia still being interested in Eric Gordon, which I'm going to go out and say, I don't think Eric Gordon's going to be traded. And if he is traded, I think it's going to be closer to the trade deadline. It's either going to be it's either going to happen right before the season or right before the trade deadline. And maybe that sounds like a captain obvious thing to say. But I feel like the Rockets really value his veteran leadership. And kind of switching to the discussion we had earlier, Tate will be a veteran a def, like a, a veteran by function, not by actual years. Boban if he's if he's maintained, if he's retained, He'll be a veteran presence. If you count Nwaba as one, he's bounced around, been a journeyman, and he might have that perspective and voice in the locker room. And then Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon's like their trophy vet, you know, the quintessential veteran. So I, I don't know. Like, I feel like they can, they're going to have to be blown away by a trade offer to take him because, like, for example, I don't think they would dump him for, like, the 26th pick in the draft like they did with Christian Wood. I think, I think if that was the best offer they could get, they'd say, no, thanks. We'll keep Eric Gordon. But maybe that's any, any offer you get for Eric Gordon, it's not only going to have to be like a, a decent quality offer by way of the the actual like asset return, right? The draft capital probably needs to, have be to be a, a, a the right offer. year, a, a, the right year of draft capital. Absolutely. Right. So maybe not just in a again, their whole shtick this past NBA trade deadline was they wanted a future draft pick, right? They didn't want one in the 2022 draft. They wanted one further down the line and nobody, you know, reportedly nobody came forward with one. So they never traded him. Not only that, they also need to take need to not take back long-term money for EG, right? That's the big one because the Rockets are currently set with the NBA salary cap projections for next season and for next next offseason, the Rockets are set to have north of $70 million to play around with next summer. And that's with their with everybody they currently have on their roster. That's with their current, you know, projected cap holds next offseason for KPJ and, and players like that. And if you take back money for Eric Gordon that will then be on the books, that directly impedes that $70 million that you could potentially have to play around with. That's two max slot salaries that you could throw at two big-name free agents that summer. So whatever they decide to do with Eric Gordon, it may just wind up being in their best interest to let him play out his final year in Houston and then let him walk if they don't have the option to deal him and not take back long-term money or also, you know, and A, deal him for an asset that actually makes sense, which I will say maybe it doesn't necessarily have to be a draft pick. I do think that's the direction that makes the most sense. But maybe there's a team out there that has like a young prospect that would be enticing enough to Houston where they're like, you know what? We'll take a flyer on this guy, right? Somebody that you can like bring in and maybe like float him down to the G League or like a stash kind of guy that you just let him work on his game a little bit. And I think but the biggest issue for me is EG is going to take up rotation minutes, right? If he's here, he's going to take rotation minutes. And I do think that the way the Rockets are kind of built out right now with all their guards, with the guys that you conceivably want to get minutes at the wing between like Jay Sean Tate, KJ Martin, if he sticks around, Tari Eason, Jabari, like where do you find minutes for this guy? Because Eric absorbed most of his minutes at the three spot this last season, right? He started at the three spot. He was basically the Rockets small forward for a majority of the year. What do you do this next go around? Like, do you bench Jay Sean Tate to start the year after you just signed him to a long term deal? Do you move him to the bench? He's been Steven Silas's guy for almost two straight years now. You're going to start Jabari. So maybe they bring Eric Gordon off the bench this time around. But even if you do, I mean, you can't realistically get him 30 minutes a night without cutting into a majority of the minutes for all the other guys. So that's where I come away thinking I I'm inclined to believe that they're going to do their best to probably move him before the season starts just because I think that otherwise you're going to run into a situation where unless EG is happy just playing like 12 minutes a night and babysitting the younglings um I don't see it working out yeah I mean I don't know um you know to your point about taking salary back they could maybe do something similar to what they did with Dallas right and just take back scraps that add up and make the salary match that whatever team is trading wasn't in their rotation and whereas Eric Gordon will be in their rotation and Houston can just let them expire 
and move on with it um, as long as they get the pick that they're looking for. That could happen. Um, so we'll see. And I agree with you about the rotation minutes. I mean, I, I just want to, you know, let it go and just see the young guys. But I mean, we have a young backcourt. Eric Gordon is the only vet. I mean, I, I'm saying that I think they really value his veteran presence and leadership just as much, if not more than, you know, the 22nd pick in the draft, for example, um, unless it's going to be like maybe the 14th pick or something that they really, really think outweighs the value that he brings. Um, but yeah, last thoughts on on the Philadelphia Rockets. I mean, you got James Harden, PJ Tucker, D'Anthony Melton, originally drafted by the Rockets, Daniel House, hilarious, uh, Daryl Morey, and Tad former, Brown. And former G League MVP, Trevlin Queen. Don't Trevlin forget that Queen. one. Queen, that's right. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really watch the Vipers, and I don't. Trevlin Queen was never in my, you know, I remember, okay, I remember when I, I was on the Real GM boards. I was a moderator on Real GM, by the way. Shout out to that for anyone that remembers that. Um, I was a moderator on Real GM, and we were Vasily Spanulis. If anyone, if anyone remembers V Span, V Span, right? We were like, oh man, we got to play V. We got to play him, you know, like all hyped up, like yo, he's the next big thing, man. You got, you got to give him time, and it never worked out, right? Needless to say, that's just an example uh, of why I don't get in the weeds and attached to like the guys like a Trevlin Queen, where you're like, man, you just got to let this guy play, give him a chance, because you realize. It's just unrealistic. And on in a franchise with a franchise like the 76ers, I'd be surprised if he gets a real chance because they're going to try to win a championship the next year, two years, three years. And unless he, they just like unleash him and trust him and he kills it and, you know, this perfect scenario plays out, I feel like he'll just be tucked away for a few years. So doesn't really register much on my radar. Maybe I'm totally wrong about that, though. But Fun. I want to throw in a quick anecdote on V-SPAN. He, for whatever reason, I don't know why I was just like, infatuated with v-span back in the day i would play nba 2k and i would pick v-span and i would like airdrop him on a team like the pacers for whatever reason and i'd crank up his stats to like the mid 80s like on like his overall and he'd be like my best player on the team and i would just like run point with v-span six four greek guard like just doing everything on the floor basically i treated him as like greek russell westbrook which I guess is what you would get if you shrunk Giannis down to 6'4". So that's basically what I did with V-SPAN in 2K, and it was like the funniest thing. I won like multiple championships with like random teams. Like I'd put them on like the Pacers or like the Bobcats or whatever and just truck through an entire season with him as my best player. It's hilarious. Yeah, man. I mean, I used to just just be on message boards like, they got to play V-SPAN. Why aren't they playing V-SPAN? And I think he only ended up playing like 30 games as a Rocket or whatever. But but anyway, so uh, Tad Brown, Daryl Morey, P.J. Tucker, James Harden, DeAnthony Melton, Daniel House. I mean, Trevlin Queen. They're going to win one for the 2018-2019 Rockets. <laughs> give me a break, dude. All they got to go do is get Trevor Ariza and Ryan Anderson at this point. Maybe I'm surprised that they haven't signed Gerald Green. He tried to make his comeback with the Vipers right last season. They need to go get Iman Shumpert. There you go. That's the that's the missing ingredient piece of the 2018-2019 the Rockets. Son of a gun. And, um, okay, so... We can spend this last phase then talking about Summer League, which is next week in Vegas. It uh, is we, already here. We it's absurd how fast NBA offseason moves. We, we blinked. Yeah, we, we will, will be there. Be it's going to be awesome. We will be there. Yeah, we blinked, and then boom, boom, here we are. KD requested a trade. It's, it's crazy, man. It sucks, too, because it's like, man, when I try to take time off and go do other things, it just draws you right back in. That's when the craziest shit happens, and you're just like, okay. Now I got to stay glued to this, you know, and then when you stay glued to it, it's like stupid notifications like, uh, you know, Andre Drummond signs with the Bulls, uh, DeAndre like, Jordan, the Nuggets. By the way, DeAndre Jordan to the Nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. You, that that immediately just like trigger warning. Rouge. <laughs> just he, he woke him up. Man's over there kind of fading a little bit. If you're watching on YouTube, he's kind of like leaned over towards the mic. He's been kind of mellow for a minute and then just out of nowhere. DeAndre Jordan to the <laughs> I mean, Nuggets. Just to think that the Nuggets were parked up in free agency like, yo, we got our guy. <laughs> fist pumping. Just fist pumping. We got our guy. And it's DeAndre Jordan? What? You know what it is? It's a precursor to them getting KD. That's that's what the whole oh thing is, right? Because wherever DeAndre Jordan goes, that's that's KD's guy. So he's going to – KD's suddenly going to be a Denver Nugget overnight. Just you Let wait. me just say – let me also just – I get fired up about this. Let me just say player empowerment era. It has irked the shit out of me. Because I want to see these guys get paid. I want to see these guys control their destiny. And I, and I don't want to see these guys get jerked and yanked around. 
But at the same time, I don't want to see this game get so lopsided and twisted that dudes on a max contract for four years that they just signed are able to say, ah, you know what? Peace. Never mind. Um, I don't want to see what, you know, James Harden did to the Rockets happen, what Anthony Davis did to the Pelicans happen, what Kawhi did to the Spurs happen, uh, Paul George, what Paul George did to the Thunder, although the Thunder just bent over and took it. But, you know, <laughs> sorry. But uh, I don't I don't want that to continue happening. So I will say, look at the Brooklyn Nets. They, they relinquished straight-up power to K- KD and Kyrie. They said, hey, who do you want as your coach? Steve Nash? Zero pedigree, zero credentials, bet, done. You know, oh, you guys are going to like co-coach and like be a cohesive unit? Oh, great. Yeah, right. Didn't work out that way, did it? At least not yet. Uh, you want to go have access and resources to our yachts and all this and throw your parties and do it? Man, go do it. You want to have private workouts and have James Harden in here so we can like secretly say, hey, let's do that. Uh, what else, man? You know, you, you guys want creative control over whatever the hell, blah, 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 right? They, they wanted all this like inclusion. And what ended up happening? They straight up bailed. You know, they straight up bailed. So I hope we're at a point where, man, the next CBA is going to be crazy because this can't keep happening. Like, I'm glad it's happening because it's benefiting the Rockets. But that's the only reason I'm glad it's happening, because it's benefiting the Rockets. Like, otherwise, it's bullshit. It's like, dog, you chose this destination. They paid you for a year while you sat on your ass and rehabbed obviously i'm not blaming you for being injured but they paid you to be in recovery as many teams would have because you're kevin durant but they're the ones that did it and then you came back and you gave it your all and you held up your end of the bargain and now you're not they wanted they wanted deandre jordan start four years 40 million deandre boom jared allen peace you know that wasn't a smart move they wanted to mortgage the future for harden that was definitely not a smart move. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Right? They could have just built that team out. Karis LeVert, Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, either use them or flip them for other pieces. Sign Patty Mills. You had Joe Harris. Hindsight's, you know, hey, hindsight's always twenty twenty, and we can go down a gigantic rabbit hole here. I think we should revisit this topic, and we need to, like, remember to do this because I do think we should talk about, like, just the player empowerment stuff, like, at another right, I'll, point I'll, ra- I'll wrap it up. I'll wrap it right, up. But, right. I'll, but I'll just say, I'll just say, Use them as a case study for how how wrong things can go. And let's steer this thing back to like some balanced, some balanced form that works for both sides reasonably. Because that's when the NBA is at its best. I mean, I know we love the drama, but at the same time, like this is a clown show. So anyway. Reality TV for reality TV for me. It is it is reality TV for the bros. It's it's kind of crazy. I re- when I realized that like a few years ago and I was like, oh. <laughs> that's why we're so hooked. And then from that point on, you're like, all right, I'm never going to make fun of anybody watching reality TV again right, right. because 100%. that's what this is. So um, Summer League, we don't know the rosters yet, do we? No, they haven't been officially announced. Uh, I, it, I don't know when they officially announced them. I'm assuming we'll find out sometime early Monday, Tuesday of this upcoming week. We might even find out over this weekend. Um, so we should be on the lookout for that. Although from the Rockets' perspective, I think we can safely – assume we know that Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba will be playing. The three Rockets rookies will definitely be playing. And that's more or less going to be your starting lineup. I don't think we're getting Alper and Shingun. We, no, no, we're not getting Alper and Shingun. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that we're not getting Alper and Shingun. There was someone else. Dacian Nix. Nix. Yeah, Nix might. I think Nix will start over Ty Ty if I have to guess. I think so too. I think I think Knicks is going to start over. I think you're looking at a starting lineup of Dacian Knicks, Josh Christopher, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Usman Garuba, which is one hell of a starting lineup in Vegas Summer League. Like that team is going to put in some work. And also random sidebar here, but apparently like Cade is playing in Summer League for the Pistons for some reason. He's on their, he's on their roster. I would be very surprised if he played. I'd be very surprised. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Sense. That would be a mistake to me. There's no yeah. reason to play, in my opinion. But, um, yeah, I mean, we'll be there, which will be fun. But, yeah, look, in years past, you've had those, like, guys like Kyrie Thomas or Anthony Lamb where it's like, okay, less Kyrie Thomas, but guys like Anthony Lamb where you're like, that that guy's playing in, in the G League. He's not playing with the Rockets. If he does play with the Rockets, it'll be like a midseason random call-up, few games here and there, but he's not, like – a Houston rocket, right? He's not in their plans. 
Um, but this starting five is going to be all guys that will probably contribute, actually contribute to the Rockets at some point this season. You know, Garuba, I'm sure, will play. Josh Chris, I'm sure, will play. Tari Eason, I'm sure, will eventually find minutes. Jabari Smith will definitely play. And Ty Ty Washington, um, maybe not Dacian Knicks. Dacian Knicks might play, and Ty Ty Washington might play. So I'm excited about that. I mean, like legit NBA players. Dacian Knicks, I think the jury's still out. Um, but I think the other five are, are, you know, NBA players. Maybe you could disagree about Garuba. That's why I stopped up there. But I, I'm confident in Garuba. So I think I, I think the way to look at it, right, is it's six legitimate prospects and or like current NBA players all playing, which is what makes it exciting, right? Because sometimes right. you do look at summer league and you're like, you look at the names and you're like, I don't even recognize half these names. And right. or like you look up and down the roster and you're like, I recognize one name on this entire list of like 12 dudes and because all of them are like guys who are vying for like a spot in the G League or who, you know, went on trying to get like an invite to like training that. camp or something. You yeah. know, like they're, they're just trying to stick. So and, re- and respect to those guys, right? For for grinding it out, for going to summer league, for putting in that work. Absolutely. But from just an excitement perspective, like as outsiders looking in, it's cool to recognize those names and be hyped about a summer league roster, which is, I guess, where we're at as an organization at this point, which is honestly not half bad. Summer league was awesome last year. So like I'm looking forward to doing well, it. Summer league's great because like I'm not, you know, and no disrespect to Anthony Lamb, but like I'm not watching Anthony Lamb and, and getting excited thinking about like, oh, this guy's gonna be on the Rockets because you can clearly tell he's, you know, not probably not an NBA player. But yeah, six prospects, all of whom could at some point be important to what the Rockets are doing. That's exciting, you know. Um, so I'm excited to see it. Uh I don't have predictions. The Rockets tend to do well in summer league. I will say one thing I was thinking about Will Weaver, who is no longer with the Rockets coached the summer league team last season and we don't know who the assistants are yet so who's going to coach the summer league team my best bet is it's going to be rick higgins um he i i think summer league is maybe a little bit uh below john lucas's pay grade and rick higgins is the only other assistant that is currently still on steven silas's staff so i would assume we're going to see rick higgins coach summer league for the rockets unless they go way out of left field and have John Lucas just fly out to Vegas and coach up the young guys for a week and a half, which I just really don't see happening. Um, and I Silas isn't going to coach summer league. So that's process of elimination. I think that's the direction they're going to go, which will be cool because Rick Higgins, to my knowledge, has been a big part of the development process for this Rockets team. But he's also of the assistants they've had on the staff this past year. He's the guy that I know the least about, like just in general like his pedigree, like what he's good at, all that kind of stuff. So this will kind of be like, at least for me and for a lot of Rockets fans, kind of a glimpse into how he can run things, right? Summer League this last year kind of showed what Will Weaver could do, right? Some of the actions they were running, some of the things they were doing offensively, defensively, that kind of thing. You got a glimpse into Will Weaver's mind as a coach, and that can hopefully be the same thing we get out of Rick Higgins this time around. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, no, I heard about Rick Higgins when we got him because uh, I have a buddy that that works with the magic. And so I think that's where Rick Higgins came to Houston from. Yeah. Um, so heard good things about Rick Higgins. So that that's interesting. I didn't think about that. So yeah, we'll, I mean, we are going to do a prediction though, before we wrap up, I want us to both predict Jabari's opening night stat line. Cause he's playing right. Opening night in summer league yeah, is against the Orlando night. magic against Bancaro. Paolo Bancaro. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Jabari goes off for 18 and seven. Okay. I'm going to say 20 and eight, and I'm going to say five triples. I'm guaranteeing five triples from Jabari Smith. I'm going to say 18 and seven and four triples opening okay. night. All right. So, I like it. So pucker up and suck on that. Um, any last words before we, before we dip? I don't think I have anything. I'm just excited, man. This Rockets team has given me life. Like it, I, I know it's it's not it's not the best to not be, you know, at the top fighting for championships and stuff, but it's a different kind of fun. It's a different kind of excitement, right? Like I mean, you spend years at the top of the NBA life cycle and you're, you know, sometimes you're just you're grinding through the regular season, and you're like, "Man, can we just, you know, you still appreciate the games and the cool moments, but you're just like man, let's just hit fast forward and get to the playoffs, right? To where the games matter. Like sometimes that's just kind of how it feels and how it felt, you know, a little bit towards the end of the James Harden era. Now it's like just every game. It's like, yo, what is Jalen Green going to do tonight? 
what are we going to see out of Jabari Smith? Like, and like, that's kind of a cool place to be as an organization, as a fan, as somebody who just loves the game of basketball. I love being able to like be excited on a game by game, day by day basis, just to see this team grow and see what it can become. So, yeah, I mean, look, you could be, some people have tweeted this at me and I think it's important. I mean, the Rockets have really seemed to understand from the top down ownership management on down the idea of a rebuild, you know, I mean, we could be the Knicks where you're paying big money to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson, and who knows where that's going to take them, you know? And I don't remember the last time they had a top two pick. We just had a number two and a number three back-to-back, you know? Um, and it's hard. It's hard for, like, the decision makers to sit by and just watch that happen, especially when they came aboard and James Harden was, you know, we were championship contender. So it's a hard thing to do, but I think it's the right thing to do, as you're seeing by missteps in Brooklyn, for example. Um so I'm excited, man. I mean, they've given us vision and direction and we can fill in the blanks with our imagination and, and our hopes and we can argue about it. And we always do on Twitter and we debate and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, pretty bright young core, man. If KPJ hits, if Jalen Green hits, you know, if that last eight games or whatever of the of the season was like a projection into the future and then you add Jabari Smith to that and then you add Tari Eason to that and then you get a starter starters version of Alperin Shangun added onto that. And like, who knows, man, still got draft capital, still have a ton of cap space. You can either absorb, you know, a, a max contract via trade into it, or you can sign someone or just a ton of options, man. So it's exciting. Um, and, and, and we have a badass fan base that has stuck with this team through being the worst team in the league two years in a row, which I think is pretty unique. Right. I mean, for, for how bad we suck, the Rockets fan base is still like just daily, active daily. Ride or dies, daily. man. It's awesome, dude. So, so yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm tired of telling about the pass out, but I'm excited. We'll see you guys next week, um, presumably after Summer League, after the first game of Summer League, which, man, Ben Carroll versus Jabari Smith. We'll see what happens. The Philadelphia Rockets are, are in the process of reassembling. Kevin Durant said peace to Brooklyn. And uh, Jay Shantae will be a rocket for three more years pending the structure of that contract. So that's the, that's the wrap on what we got today. Jackson, anything else? Oh, yo, I'll say uh, do us a favor. If you're still watching, probably should have done this earlier, but if you're still watching, <laughs> go to Apple, go to Apple podcasts and um, leave us a, leave us a review, man. If you like us, leave us a five star and, and type out and say, damn, these guys are tight. I love listening to these guys because the Rockets are great, or whatever it is that you truly think. So I'll say that. And I'll also say drop a comment. Talk to us. Holler at a player. Jackson? No, you covered all the bases. I'll just, uh, you know, the plugs. You know, listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google, all the platforms. Check us out on YouTube. All the subscribers, all the love, all the interactions. It's great. Uh, Roosh and I really love doing this, right? We love talking Rockets basketball. We love interacting uh, in the YouTube comments. We love interacting on Twitter. You know, add us, DM us, hit us with questions. Uh, we both do our absolute best. Roosh is better than I am. I'm trying to up my game a little bit. I'm a little bit washed on the Twitter streets compared to how I used to be a couple years ago. But, uh, you know, we try our best to respond to everybody, uh, hit you back if you got questions, comments, concerns, all that stuff. But yeah, uh, that's going to do it for us. So be on the lookout for our very next episode live. Well, not live, live, but, you know, in person, arm in arm from Vegas Summer League next week. It's going to be dope. We're going to have little handheld microphones and everything from some hotel room somewhere in Las Vegas. It's going to be awesome. So be on the lookout for that. Until then, go Rockets. It's the remix to Ignition. <laughs>